I think you should always start off with being thankful and then some praise as we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And then we move even farther in and we begin to praise. So I'm thankful for him today. We'll continue in our series today um, on Praise Ye the Lord. Last week we talked about the blessed man or woman, of course, from Psalm 1. Uh, today we're going to go to Psalm 23. And hey, it's not even a funeral. And it's, look at that. It's amazing. People just, they think certain scriptures only apply at certain places. But uh, if there's any uh, psalm that speaks to our relationship with the Lord, it's surely this one. And today um, we'll read uh, Psalm 23. Starting with verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. What a declaration. I'm not, no wondering there. I'm not confused about who looks out for me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So today we're going to talk about our shepherd. Let's lift our hands and pray for the lesson this morning. Precious Lord, we love you today. And we just give you honor in this house. And we recognize you for who you are in our life, Lord. Our great shepherd watching over us. Lord, let our hearts hear what the Spirit would say. Let our hearts be good ground to receive your word. Let it change us, make us better, bring us closer to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Now give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thankful for the Lord. So thankful for the Lord. Thankful for the Lord. You may be seated. God bless you this morning. Good to see everyone, all of our home folk and, and, and family from another place in time. Uh, I met the... Sister Faye and Sister Becky in, in the early days of my walk with the Lord. And uh, we all had this, the same pastor at one point in our life. So thankful for our good friends being with us today. I probably heard Brother Everhart mention a shepherd and sheep more just about as much as I heard him preach on anything. He would uh, often talk about uh, and quote that my sheep know my voice. And he would uh, tell of, he had a lot of life lessons, things that he just experienced personally, but uh, he would say that uh, he saw some sheep in a field one time, and so he went over to the fence and tried to call them to see if they would come to him, and they would not, and then the guy that owned the sheep would call them, and here they would come, and he said the Lord just would show him real life examples of his word that my sheep know my voice. And I'm thankful that I had him as a shepherd for, for many years before he passed. And so as we talk about our shepherd today, uh, of course, we quote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want often. And it's the truth, the Lord is our shepherd. 
But the idea and the thing I want to pull from this today is for us personally is that we make a decision that I'll follow the Lord. I will hear his voice, be led by his voice. I will follow the Lord, the Lord, not the Lloyd, uh, the Lord. I don't know who Lloyd is, but hope he serves the Lord. So, uh, but I will follow the Lord and enjoy his protection and his provision. It's amazing uh, perspective because some people's perspective is if I serve the Lord that I'm all they can see is uh, they, they think they're in a corral. God has just hemmed me in and I can't go anywhere. But, uh, but David was trying to help people see that if he's your shepherd, you get to enjoy provision and protection and uh, faithfulness and a, a watchful eye. And, and uh, we see the benefits of the shepherd. We don't ever look at his guidance and his... Uh, protection over us as he's you're just trying to hold me back I'm just trying to keep you from getting devoured is would be more of a uh, along the lines of what God is trying to do there is an old saying that applies uh, to people who say I love you and it is that actions speak louder than words even the scripture John wrote in first John that uh, we not to just love in word or uh, in speech, but to also love in deed and in truth. In other words, let your actions uh, reflect the love you say you have for any individual or any group or whatever it is you do. Uh, let your actions speak louder than words. And that would certainly speak uh, toward the attitude and uh, the way an ancient shepherd of those days would behave. He, uh, You could observe how much he loved and cared for his sheep by seeing how much work and effort that he would put into caring for them. He didn't just get a flock and walk out to the field every day and go, I sure love you guys. And then just turn around and go do his things and let his sheep wander off, get sick, be devoured. He, he spent his time with them. He did not let them just wander wherever that they would want to go. You know, the Lord tells us, for us, that actions also speak louder than words when it comes to him. Because he said, if you love me, somebody want to finish that? Keep my commandments. In other words, you can say you love me, but I will know that you love me when you keep my commandments. John uh, wrote also in 1 John uh, chapter 2 that, uh, when we keep his word, then the love of God is perfected. So it's one thing to say we love him, but if we want our love for God to be perfected, it is in keeping of his word. Uh, if we say I love his word, then we should keep his word. If we love God, who is the word, the word made flesh also that dwelt among us, our, our Savior, then if we do love him, then we keep his word. My sheep know my voice. When a shepherd calls, they come. You know, they have those people that do that. They have calls and cues that they give to those animals to direct them. If you've ever watched those competitions and, and things like that, they have certain words and things they will say. And as those sheep hear that, uh, and it's not ba ram moo, if that's what you, 
So anybody that's think of, of that little pig that uh, was in that sheep movie, that's not what I'm talking about. But uh, they do have certain cues, they, and the sheep know that, and they will go and, and come and, and follow the direction of their shepherd. And so just as we should love the Lord and keep his word, the, the Lord gives his word, his protection to us, but he also demonstrates. The Lord does not promise care and protection without demonstrating that love in action. In Matthew 9 and 36, we read the words of the Lord. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. It concerned him that uh, there were people who had no shepherd. There's a lot of people today that would like to live out from under a shepherd. But look what he said. He said they, they were fainting and they were scattered. That's all we have to look forward to without a shepherd. We need his guidance, his protection, his love in action in our life. And uh, I need the Lord in, uh, today. Hey, being a pastor doesn't graduate you from being a sheep. <laughs> I still have to listen to the great shepherd, and I have to still uh, have people in authority in my life that can speak to me and, and give me guidance and direction and, and help me to stay on the right path. I, I don't want to wander off either. I want to stay with him. So the compassion that Jesus had for these people, it, it caused him. And you read as you read about what he did, he, he refused uh, to be passive about this love he had for people. And he would uh, do things that people thought he should not do so he could show his love in real and very tangible ways. And the Lord would express his love for us through the things he did. Uh, in the Gospels, we read many times with demonstrations, demonstrations of Jesus doing things that people would say, we have never seen it like this before. He healed the sick, raised the dead, and then he spent time comforting those that were mourning or, or lonely. They were the outcast of society. But most of all, the most impressive thing of all is that he gave his life for us. He died for us. He was buried, and then he rose again. And nobody has ever done that. We can think of things that people have blessed us with in our life, but nobody has ever shed his blood for you. No one has ever uh, been buried and rose again for you. Nobody else can give you their spirit uh, so that you can make it to heaven one day. This is what he did. But why did he do that? Why would the Lord, uh, the King of Kings, why would he come down from that place and, and do all of these things? It's because he loves us. It's very simple, but it's still hard to comprehend uh, that love that he has for us. It is still amazing grace. Uh, I can't always understand uh, how he did what he did, why he did what he did, why I, I was spared many times over to finally be able to come and find an altar where I could repent and give my life to him. I don't know why, but he. I do know that he loves me. And I believe that. And this revelation for us that know him is, is simple. And we can't understand sometimes maybe why people uh, can't comprehend it. You tell people the Lord loves me and they go, nobody loves me. It's people, uh, that, that they think, why would he? It's because when we look at ourselves in the mirror and look at our own life, we think, I am unlovable. 
I know who I am, what I've done, where I've been. I know my actions. Even the, the prodigal son, uh, he was going to go home, but he said, I will not go back as a son. I will lower my uh, expectations, and I will just go back and say, I will be a servant, uh, a high, like a hired servant uh, to my, fa- my father who I was birthed from. I, I'm not even worthy to be a son anymore, but the father, he said, no, we're going to erase that. Because when he showed up, he said, this is my son that was dead but is alive again. He said, this is my son. And he placed that ring on him, the best robe, the shoes. And, and he didn't care where he'd been, didn't care what he smelled like and what he looked like. He just fell on his neck and wept over him and kissed him and, and loved him because he was glad, just like a shepherd, he was glad to have his sheep back home, his son back home, someone he loved back home. And so there are many uh, that we need to, we, we have to convince them of this truth that there is a God who loves them. And then many that are saved and do know him need to be reminded on a daily basis that God loves you. And, and so thankfully we have his word and it is just an exhaustive record of the many things that Jesus has already done to demonstrate the fact that he loves us. But even without uh, going into this, as we wake up every day, we see the proof that Jesus loves us. I mean, you woke up today. Hello. You, you, you were able to get in a car and drive here. You, you had a, a bed you woke up in. You, you, know, you had food to eat or different man. But you know what? Even if you woke up under a bridge, Jesus loves you because you woke up. And every day that you're breathing, every day you have life, that's just another opportunity to taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes you can tell somebody, oh, this is so good. Man, this is the best. You, uh, oh, it's a, well, can I have a bite? Sometimes people are stingy and like, no, I'm eating all of this. Order your own. Um, but, you know, if you really want somebody to like it, and you'll get your own spoon and say, here. And people in here can say, and pastor has done that before. And I've convinced many people that rutabagas are good. Or prunes. Hello, I love them. Do you, you believe that there's people say they, they love the Lord and don't eat figs? But there's some that don't. And I have tried, taste and see that the fig is good. It is. Well, we'll have altar service just a few minutes. You know, come on. Y'all, all y'all that don't like them can come on and pray. No, it, it, but the, the serious thing is this, is that, that even in that natural example, it's a truth. You've you got to try something. And in the world, we try things to see whether we like them or dislike them. But there's only one option in Scripture. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good because he's not bad in any fashion. And once you actually try the Lord, uh, when you uh, taste and see, you're going to come to one conclusion only, that he is good. And why would we not want something that is good? I never go anywhere to get something that is bad. Sometimes we do. I hate paying for food that is bad. Uh, I hate to go somewhere and order something and be excited about it, only to be disappointed by that first bite, like, nope, this is not going to happen, and uh, realize that I will have to pay for this now. But 
um, that never happens with God. We always know that when we taste and see, when we try God, when we try his word, when we try his ways, we always realize that God is good. Even the Lord, he wondered about one guy because he said, good master. And he said, well, why are you calling me good? Maybe he's wondering, have you tried? He said, because there's only one good. He said, that's God. And so uh, he wanted to know, have you tried me? Do you know? But when he offered him what it would take, oh, no, I don't want that. And so he would never understand what it was like to follow him and to try him and to live a life for him. And so uh, the Lord watches over us just like a shepherd does for his sheep. And we must be willing to take God at his word. That's the thing. We, you, we have to trust this word. The scripture says when we come to God, uh, we must believe that he is. And then we also need to believe that he is a rewarder if we will diligently seek him and trust that uh, God will do what he said he will do. And he will shepherd us and take care of us. Jesus compared himself to a shepherd. In John 10 and 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. And look what the good shepherd does. He gives his life for the sheep. Now, of course, we know that sacrifice of Calvary, but uh, he gives his life. He, he lays down his life. He, he, he is there for a purpose. He said, to this end was I born. And, and his whole purpose was to uh, fulfill his mission and to be there for people. So that's why he would touch lepers, and that's why he would... Uh, raise the dead and and that's why he would uh cast out devils and, and that's why he would be mocked and ridiculed and and uh you know threatened with death long before he got to calvary they wanted to kill him but he he put himself in that position because he is the good shepherd and not only did he give up his last breath for us he gave his life for us and and for those uh last three three and a half years of that life he walked in constant uh peril from his own people so he could show that God was now among them. It was it just because they didn't realize he was there didn't uh, negate the fact of who he was. That's why he wept over the city and he, and he wept over his people and he said, if you had just known uh, the time of your visitation, if you just realized when I was here, oh, I could have gathered you up and uh, of course, in this instance, he, he compared himself to as a, a hen would gather her chicks and, and cover them. And all, but the same thing, always watching over, always protecting, always providing, always wanting to be uh, that uh, watchman over us in our life. And so we take him at his word and believe that he will, uh, if he is our shepherd, then he uh, makes a promise to nourish us, protect us, provide for us, just like a shepherd, a real shepherd would do for his sheep. He's not going to compare himself to a shepherd and then not do what a shepherd does. That's not, not, uh, let's see what I can be today. I think I'll, a shepherd sounds good. No, he, he's doing that because he's trying to let us see this is how I will treat you in your life. And so anything uh, that a sheep could expect a good shepherd to do, we can expect the good shepherd to do, and even better than an earthly shepherd. And so in our psalm today, the man who wrote this psalm, he was not a stranger uh, to the occupation of shepherd. That's what David did. He was 
uh, when he was called to be anointed king, he was tending his father's sheep. That's what David did. He knew about uh, fighting off lions and bears to rescue the sheep. He knew uh, about the pitfalls that sheep could find themselves in. He was well equipped to understand the duties of a shepherd. And, and uh, who knows how long and at what age he was trained and began to watch over these sheep. But he, he knew about it. And then think about how he comes to this song. And maybe one day he is uh, pulling a, a sheep up out of a pit somewhere that's he's tangled up or mangled up in something he's called and, and he has to rescue him. He's pulling him out of some pit, some kind of miry clay or something, or he maybe he just has fought off a, a wolf or a bear and he's carrying that lamb back to the flock and all of a sudden it hits him. How many times has God done this for me? And so he sits down and with tears flowing from his eyes, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Just like I have fought for these sheep and give my life for these sheep and went uh, with many sleepless nights so I can make sure nothing got them. How many times has God watched over me and, and made sure that in the difficult times of my life, I made it, that I'm still here. And, and, and sometimes it was no fault of my own, but sometimes it was, was because of my own ignorant choices that I ended up in the mess that I was in but God would time and time again manifest himself as the perfect shepherd in David's life he got a revelation that of the relationship that he had with God and that he was a shepherd I'm sure the scripture says that all every scripture is inspired by God and so God uh, just moved on him to let him know this job you're doing is the job that I do. Except I have sheep everywhere. And I have to watch over them and take care of them. And if God did that for David, then we could be confident that he will also shepherd us and keep us also. Because he is our shepherd. That's why he opens up, the Lord is my shepherd. But then he says, I shall not want. God takes care of all of our needs. He knew uh, David knew that I will never lack any necessity. And when you read this psalm in King James Version, uh, the phrase is rendered in the future tense. He didn't say, I will not want or I do not want. He said, I shall not want. In other words, David knew that as long as I have this shepherd, there will never be any deficiency, uh, not now and neither in the future. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a shepherd then. He's a shepherd now. He will be my shepherd always. He will always be Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He will always provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory. When we are under the protection of that shepherd, there will be future provision, not just uh, uh, this today, and that's all I get, but Every day God is providing us. The scripture says he loadeth us daily with benefits. We pray, give us, Lord, our daily bread. So God provides food spiritually and physically. He realizes that we don't just have physical needs. We do need to eat, but we have spiritual needs. We have emotional needs. We have psychological needs. And, and God is more than able to provide all those needs because he knows what's best. There's nobody that knows this design better than the designer. Nobody knows this creation better than the creator. He, he knows every uh, 
uh, thing that's going on here. He knows every strand of DNA. He knows, he knows your blood pressure right now. He knows uh, how much blood is in your body. He knows how many hairs are on your head. God knows you the best. Your shepherd knows you. So he's my shepherd, I shall not want. But he also uh, said in, in verse 3 that he restores my soul. He restores my soul. In, in other words, he, he literally brings me back. Uh, when you restore, restore something, you bring it back to its original beauty. You bring it back to its value. And, and when people restore cars, they don't just go get anything. They, they want to get the original parts, the, the factory parts, the OEM parts. And they want to make it to be just like it was when it came off the showroom. And I, see, some people modify. Well, that's different. You change some things on, but if you're restoring one, you want it to be like it was when they rolled it off the sh- off the factory line, uh, when it went into the showroom. You want it to be new, and that's God. He restores my soul. He gives me back what time has robbed. You, know, you, you see, a uh, I'm big into stuff like that. I love to watch people re- restore cars and 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 watch them take something, pull it out of a junkyard. And of course, they've got unlimited funds. They can do that. I, I can't do that. But I, I wish I could, and I wish I could afford when they did it. But, um, but when they get them, you think, there's no way that car will ever look like anything. And then they, they go through every process, and you watch them stripping away stuff that's bad and, and putting things. In. And, man, next thing you know, it's like brand new. It looks just like it did in 1967, you know, and it's just almost even better, you know. And it's like, wow, it's amazing what they can do with that, but it's even more amazing what God can do with us. That as time begins to eat away at us and, you know, we, we feel a little rusty. <laughs> and sometimes we feel like we rusted through. Um, we feel like, you know, things are not running like they should. And, and it, but, but God can restore our soul, bring us back into a place uh, where we realize, man, everything's good. This is... This is good. This is what I need. Uh, God restores my soul. Because guess what? Sheep don't always listen to shepherds. They can didn't say they didn't hear them. They just don't always listen. <laughs> and so uh, they would wander away, get lost, get caught in a thicket, eat food that was not good for them, go find a plant they shouldn't eat and, and eat that, or, or even fall prey to a predator. And when this happened, the shepherd would pursue that lost sheep, find him for the hope that he could restore that sheep back to the flock. That's why Jesus told that parable, said that shepherd would leave those, those 99 and find that one and come back with it saying, rejoice with me uh, because this is being restored. It's, it's being put back in the flock. And, and even though our heavenly uh, shepherd is perfect, we humans are not always a perfect flock. Like regular sheep, we have our tendencies to be stubborn. Might as well amen it. Yeah. We think we know what's best. We go our own way. But when this happens, thank God for his mercy. We have a merciful, loving shepherd who continues to call out with open arms, beckoning us to return. And even if we've been running from the Lord for years, from that shepherd for years, he's still reaching, waiting, and loving us. He wants us to come back to the flock. David went on to write that he leads me 
in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. A shepherd does not drive sheep. He leads sheep. He leads them. Oftentimes, in, in this little mind we have, uh, we don't know the perfect way to take. We need his leading. Even the Lord said, when the Holy Ghost is given to you, it will lead you into, it will guide you into all truth. We need the, the, the spirit of our shepherd so we can walk in the right paths. And that's why Proverbs warned us. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way. And we could just, and I'm not changing, really changing scripture. It says, that seems right unto a sheep. There is a way that seems right to that sheep. But the end thereof are the ways of death. They end up in a pit. They end up in a place where predators are. They end up, uh, you know, eating something they shouldn't eat. They, it seemed right. They just wandered off, thought, man, what a beautiful day. I think I'll see what's over the hill. The whole time the shepherd's like, don't go. Nah. Just keep on going. But that's a, when you think about that scripture, it's really very sobering. That the Lord lets us know in his word that you need to be very careful when you think you're so sure of the way to go that it's not your way. Because the only way that plays, just like that one scripture, if you try him, the only option is good. He said the, the path that is of a man that seems right to him, it ends up in the ways of death. And we may not get out of that way if we're not careful. We need to be very careful. And, and so what looks good and right in our eyes, uh, we can't see far enough down the road. We can't see the next day or the next year. So we don't understand. But God knows. He didn't just know what's around a corner. He knows what's around the next decade. So he sees, okay, this decision you're about to make is going to affect you for five years. You know, and we don't understand that. God sees all time. And he realizes that what you do now can affect you 20 years from now. You need to understand that. Just like somebody, you know, if you do the crime, do the time. If, you, you know, if I do this right now, it could affect me for the next 20 to life. You know, that's what they don't understand when they're doing these things. And that's what we don't often understand is if I do this now, where will I be in five years? The writer of Proverbs gives a solution also. In Proverbs 3 and 6, he said, if in all our ways we will acknowledge him, he will or he shall direct our path. And so a way to get around going my own way is just in all my ways acknowledge him. You're my shepherd. Man, that is, you see people post, ooh, relationship goals. You know what my relationship goal is? Is to always remember that he's my shepherd. That I'm never my own, I'm not my own sheep. I don't want to be the black sheep of the family, as they would say, you know, uh, that, that just wants to get into trouble and wander off. I want to stay with the flock. I want to stay uh, with his people. I want to stay uh, in his presence. I want to stay under his watchful eye. And so if we keep our eyes on the good shepherd, we know that he's only going to lead us in the best direction for our life. God will not lead you into places where you can be destroyed. He's not, he doesn't, the scripture tells us, he does not tempt anybody with evil. He's going to be there. But, but we know that he will watch over us and lead us, just as David says next in 23 and 4, uh, that we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so some, some other variations of, of scripture, the Bible, the translations say uh, this is not the shadow of death, but the darkest valley. 
Well, I, I would say that's, that's probably equal. But uh, and many of us have experienced times like this where we have been in our darkest place of our life, whether, you know, through something that happened, through choices we made, something, but we ended up in a place where I don't know if I will make it out of this. Uh, uh, seems like the forces of, uh, of, of evil and my own decision that is strong, it's closing in around me, it's got me. And sometimes if we don't realize I have a shepherd, it, we're tempted to just go astray because of how overwhelming that our life has become. But that's not what we do. You know, we often think of God's blessings simply as what he has given us. But many blessings, and I would say almost most of our blessings that we have, are about what God has kept us from. What a blessing it is, the things that God, you know, think of some things that we have not experienced because of God's protection. When God kept us from going this direction or, or doing that. How, how many times we think, oh, God gave me this, gave me that, but I'm thankful for when God kept me from going here or kept me from doing that or kept me from taking this or taking that. Or, you know, I'm thankful for the, for the things that God has kept me from because what, what a great way of protection. You know, it's, and it's, it's amazing that sometimes the things that we're not ready for now, we're ready for later. A parent that has a child, they're just learning to walk, they're a little bitty, or they're crawling. If you have a, a pool or you're near water, you're going to be keeping them away from it. Because if they walk off in it or crawl off in it, they're not ready for it. But then we teach them how to swim. And there'll be a time when they can just take off running and jump in it. Because... They're ready for it. A shepherd knows when we're ready or not. Hello. And so sometimes it's like, ooh, look at that. Kids see it. You take a kid to the beach, take right for them waves. There's stuff in there that eat you. You are drowned. You know, you're too little. Them waves will flip you upside down. All, But then they get a little older after we've taught them. And then, and then we just, uh, they holler, I'm going to water. Take off. You know, you, but always watching, make sure we can always see them. Even in a pool, you know, want to make sure I'm watching over them. That's like a lifeguard. <laughs> and, uh, but so sometimes we want to run to something and it's, uh, it's not yet. Come on, come on. Not unless I'm with you, <laughs> you know. And so we get them used to it and then before we turn them loose on their own. That's what God is doing a lot of times is that he kept me from that. I don't understand why he kept me from that because I wasn't ready. So because I wasn't ready, he put his hand up. And, and it's frustrating. A kid pitch a fit and cry and holler, I want to get in the water. You will drown. They don't understand that. You're going to drown. I want to get in the water. What part of not breathing don't you understand? I want to get in the water. Here's a popsicle. Okay. <laughs> you know, God always give us something that will help us. And, and we can abide a little while longer till we're ready. But that's where the relation, understanding, the revelation of this relationship is. Is that he's my shepherd. 
And a sheep, regardless how he kicks and fights, is ultimately thankful that his shepherd pulled him away from a place that he would have lost his life. I mean, you go try to grab a sheep out of a hole, you got to fight. I've watched people try to free animals from tangled up in barbed wire fences and things like that. And you're just trying to keep them from dying. And, buddy, they will kick you and fight you and horn you. And, I mean, head, head screaming. Just like you're, they, just like, man, I'm not murdering you. I'm trying to help you. Will you quit thrashing around? But that's just what we do. Until we're free. Whew, I guess that is better, whether we want to admit it or not. But it, that's how we are. God providing for us. Taking care of us. And so I, I'm thankful for what he keeps me from. I'm thankful for what he gives me. And, and uh, so David, when he wrote this phrase, yea, though I walk, that's in the present tense. I don't know what David was going through while he wrote that. What was he facing at that point in his life when he wrote that? I don't know. I don't know where he was at, uh, you know, because uh, he did have a lot of places in his life that were were hard and they were bad but he said the Lord is my uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and my staff they comfort me this is a present tense kind of thing which doesn't mean it's not future tense because he's the same yesterday today and forever but what was David going through at that point that he had to write even though I'm in this dark valley right now I will fear no evil because you're with me and I trust you, your rod and your staff comfort me. And, and you know, even uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, one of our favorite scriptures, Philippians 4, 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Man, it's just a, that's one of them scriptures like, yes, sir, God's going to come through. God's going to provide. He's going to do it. He wrote this from a prison cell. And Paul knew that even if he did not have everything he wanted, he would always have what he needed. But the only way to understand that is when we begin to submit our needs and wants to God's point of view. Rather than trying to impose our, you know, our flesh and our carnal desires upon him, we've got to get the perspective. And that comes from trusting God. We have to build a trusting relationship. And guess what? Even with God, that takes time. You would think, well, he's God, we just trust him. But we don't. We, we want to. The want to trust is there, but it's just like anything. We're human, and that part of our flesh is like, so that's why we taste and see that the Lord is good. We, we go through things, we see him move before, and then we realize he will do it again. God will always come through. And we start to understand uh, that God is always going to be faithful after we see him over and over. We, we, we become that part of that great cloud of witnesses because we can testify that God has never been anything but good and even David uh, realized uh, at the toward the end of this psalm he said the Lord will provide a table prepare a table in the presence of my enemy God is going to uh, give me what I need and, and Paul from prison with shackles or or just you know can't leave just this is my place this is where I am he writes even here, I understand one thing about God, that he will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. God's going to give you what you need. He anoints us. David said, 
in the fifth verse, you anoint my head with oil. We've seen the, all seen the pictures of that shepherd pouring oil on the lamb's head. It, sometimes it was to get rid of insects, keep insects off of them. It would help them, keep them from getting their heads stuck between rocks because everybody was just, wants to just go put their head between a couple of rocks. I've watched kids stick their head through rails many times and I can't get back out. We were at Six Flags one time and a little kid standing beside me and my dad and we watched him go in. He started to come back. Doom, doom, and all of a sudden you hear that. Hang on, son, hang on. We, we grabbed and pulled those rails apart a little bit and he got out. But that siren was fixing to go off. And uh, he got out, but, you know, he just needed a little oil on his head. He could have got out of there, slipped right out. But God gives us that. In the Bible, anointing is symbolic, uh, a demonstration of God's favor and blessing, which we talked about a blessed man last week. Uh, and those who God specially appointed for a task, they were anointed as part of their commission. And then they experienced blessings beyond their wildest imaginations. This was cer certainly true from, for David, who went from just a little little fellow keeping the sheep to uh, defeating giants and becoming the king of Israel. And it's no wonder that when David wrote the line, my cup runneth over, that God has blessed me more than I could ever, ever imagine. Uh, he has been that good to me. That's what God is. God is that good. And, honey, you can come on to the music this morning. I know I'm running, running short on time here. Uh, but this is not just a one-time thing. When David wrote this psalm and talked about how uh, wonderful God was as a shepherd, watching over him, providing for him, uh, it wasn't just as a young man that he realized the blessings of God. David reflects back in Psalm 37, 25. He's much older when he wrote this psalm. But he said, I have been young and now I am old. Yet... Have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread? The same God that I wrote about when I was keeping my father's sheep has kept me now in my old age. I have made many mistakes and God has kept me. I have been pursued for no reason, yet God has kept me. I've dodged javelins because of God's mercy and grace and, and David was overwhelmed with how much his heavenly shepherd had cared for him and he said as I look back now and remember my younger days I, I remember that lion and that bear that God delivered into my hand I remember watching Goliath fall and, but now in my old age I still remember that God has not forsaken me I've never seen him forsaken I love this scripture, church here. You know, you've heard me pull from this many times. David said, I haven't seen the righteous forsaken. But he said, I have seen him sick, betrayed, heartbroken. I've seen him in practically any situation you can think of except forsaken. No matter what the righteous goes through, God's going to be there. He's going to make sure that, that, that shepherd's eye is always watching over them. He's going to be taking care of them. That's what God will do. And then he began to sum it up as, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me 
all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, of course, David didn't go put a bed in a little kitchen in the temple. But he meant, I don't want to ever be out of his presence. The scripture says that in his presence is fullness of joy. I want to be in his presence. Everything I need is there. Let's stand together this morning. And so we need to recognize the presence of our great shepherd in our daily life. We need to, I'll just say it like this. You won't get the benefit of Psalm 23 if you don't have the revelation and the relationship of Psalm 23. If you don't acknowledge him as your shepherd, then where is your protection? If you don't acknowledge him as that provider leading you beside the waters, the green pastures, preparing those tables, keeping you in those valleys, then where is your protection? Where is it at? So to to read Psalm 23 and realize, wow, that's for me. Yeah, well, we all want to say that, but do we understand that relationship of shepherd and sheep? So we must recognize that today, that, you know, ancient shepherds, they didn't just go off back to the house and stay and leave the sheep to themselves. They slept where the sheep slept. They ate where the sheep ate. You know, they they stayed with their flocks and watched over them and and made sure somebody at some time was always there. This is where they lived. Slept out under the open stars, I'm sure many times, sitting around a campfire on cold nights, huddled under tents maybe on rainy nights, but always there. And that's the way it's got to be. God's got to always be there. If we can want to claim Psalm 23, and apply it to our life, we must remember He is the Good Shepherd and realize that uh, we need to learn His voice and follow Him and listen to Him and trust Him as our Shepherd. Let's lift our hands and just love Him and thank Him. Precious Lord, we thank You. Oh, what a blessing that song, Your Word. But even more blessed is realizing that You are our Shepherd, always watching over us, always taking care of us. Always making sure, Lord, that we have what we need. God, help us to just let you restore our soul today. And Lord, let us remember who you are. And let us remember who we are. And be content to dwell in your house, in your presence, with you as our shepherd forever and ever. We love you today, God. We thank you today, God. Help us today, God. Lord, we just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. What a great God. What a great God. He's so good today. Thank you for being in our Sunday school this morning. Let's find a place and pray before the next service and just look for God to do some great things. God bless you.